Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Offside Rule podcast and the Motley crew are back together. Sorry for my week off, girls. I was in Paris. We quite liked having Alison instead of you. (laughs) Oh, ouch, ouch. (laughs) The scathing remarks there were for Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay is also with me, Lindsay Hooper. So uh, the three of us are going to talk today. Dad, Dad, pass me the gloves. I think off the back of Tim Krull making all those excellent saves for Newcastle at the weekend. It got us thinking goalkeepers. So we're going to go through the goalkeeping archives and pick three examples of memorable goalkeeping performances, ones to remember. Um, Also, a footballing education. Um, Manchester City have revealed that they're encouraging their foreign players to watch CBeebies in order to learn English. (laughs) Now, as the mother of the group, Kate, can you verify that CBeebies is actually very educational? They do have some educational uh, programmes there. This is lifted from a Daily Mail article that's uh, that Ed sent us, who works with us here on the podcast. Um, but there is a flaw in their story, and I will report why later. Oh, OK. Uh, we will be talking that. We've also got Lord James, who's going to be updating us on all things French football. Um, another quick reminder from us, because the voting closes for the Football Blogging Awards on the 17th of November. So if you haven't voted yet, we'd urge you to do so. In fact, Hayley McQueen is going to put on her best pleading voice and tell you to go to our website. I am. You just need to go to www www.offsiderulepodcast.com Simple as that. And all of the instructions are there to make your vote. Um, we're going to start then this week with our first topic. Um, it's all to do with player haunts, again inspired by Robin Van Persie scoring against Arsenal at Old Trafford at the weekend. Um, he made no bones about celebrating, did he? Uh, what, did you, what did you think of that? I thought it was a bit weird, bearing in mind that the season before he purposely hadn't celebrated. And so there's perhaps a little bit of um, dubiousness around why he didn't want the season and why now it's suddenly OK to celebrate I don't do, do you know what it's a sign of competitiveness if players celebrate all this kind of bashful I'm not going to celebrate is to me a bit like when you say to a woman I really like your hair and she goes oh I hate it oh I hate it and you just think oh get over yourself if it looks nice if you score a goal celebrate <laughs> like that analogy I think I think the reason he did celebrate so was because that was probably one of the most important goals that's actually been scored yeah. so far this season for Manchester United the win over Arsenal in the position that they're in I think just signalled the importance of not just that goal but that win but I thought it was a bit of a shame having Arsene Wenger just coming out that week to say oh I still view Robin Van Persie Mm -hmm. as an Arsenal man yet he obviously views himself very much as a Manchester United man Well we want to go off the back of that and talk player haunts so other players that have come back to haunt their former clubs so give examples and we're going to issue a warning to some clubs before they part with some of their big money moves in January that this could actually come back and haunt them. Um, Hayley, you know the score. It's you first. Here we go. Kicking off with Roberto Baggio. I have two, one English and one Italian. The one of the finest players that Italy has ever produced just before that wonderful World Cup where he made his name. Um, he caused full-scale rioting on the streets of Florence. He had been a Fiorentina player for uh, around about five years, rose to cult status amongst his fans. They considered him one of the best ever. They loved him. Second highest goal scorer in Syria in the 89-90 season after 
Marco van Basten. He led Fiorentina to the uh, UEFA Cup final in 1990, in which he would be defeated by his future club, Juventus. And then things turned. That summer, an £8 million fee was agreed between Fiorentina and Juventus. That was actually a world record at the time, £8 million. Seems like not a lot now, which is crazy (laughs) when you think about it. Um, It caused rioting. It caused all kinds of troubles. Um, He was one of the clubs, as I said, most popular players. So not only to lose him, but to lose him to fierce rivals literally caused public outcry. Uh, The fans actually went on a two-day vigil in Florence, turning on the club's offices 48 hours later. It was actually announced that around 50 people had been injured in the riots just because he moved from one club to the other. And the repercussions of it were the owners of the club, the Pontello family, were actually forced to sell the club as a result. So there you have it. He's actually loved by both teams now. He's respected and loved because he was such a national treasure. The first match between these two sides um, since he moved, he actually refused to take a penalty whilst playing for Juventus, picked up a Fiorentina scarf and threw it onto the field by fans and kissed it. His move <laughs> did prove fruitful, unfortunately, to Fiorentina. At Juventus, he won Serie A, a UEFA Cup, Coppa Italia, as well as being named European and World Footballer of the Year in 1993. So he did it in absolute style, going back to haunt his old club. Uh, the other player I've selected, um, just very briefly, if you're going to sign Jermaine Defoe, you pretty much know that if you stick him up against his old side, he's going to do okay for you. Um, Jermaine Defoe got goals against Portsmouth and West Ham since joining Tottenham. So you don't need me to tell you about Jermaine Defoe. He is one of those players that continues to haunt his old clubs. And actually, he is a man who celebrates in doing so. There you have it. Excellent. Well, Kate, you're up next. What have you got? A few little diamonds in the rough here. Stephen Corker, of course, in the South Wales Derby a couple of weeks ago, scored the winning goal for Cardiff, didn't he, against uh, the team where he went on loan, Swansea, from Spurs a couple of years ago. So, yeah, so a great example there of not only a hotly contested derby, but a former player coming back uh, to haunt a club where they'd played in the past before. Um, Kevin Phillips, this one's a good one whenever I think about uh, former players haunting clubs. What about earning promotion against a former club? Uh, Great story, this one. Everyone will remember it from the end of last season when, uh, towards the end of May, he came on as a substitute for Crystal Palace in the playoff final against Watford. Uh, He came on, he converted an extra-time penalty to secure Palace's promotion. Uh, He spent uh, three years at Watford uh, in the kind of uh, mid-90s. So, And if you're Kevin Phillips, to be honest, he is a journeyman player. I think he's an amazing player, actually. I have to credit him. I think he's the oldest scorer still in the Premier League. I don't know if Ryan Giggs has caught him up or not. Um, But uh, with nine clubs uh, previously, there's every chance that Kevin Phillips is always going to do the business against one of his former clubs because there have been so many. When I was thinking about celebrating goals, who could forget after Emmanuel Adebayor moved from Arsenal to Manchester City, he did what only any good ex Arsenal player could do and really wound up the Gunners fans by scoring for Manchester City. So he left in the, in the summer of 2009. Uh, the teams played each other in the September, yes, yeah, so just a month or so into the season and he scored against Arsenal. Not only did he score, he wasn't bashful in coming forwards. He ran the whole length of the pitch. Do you remember this? There was outcry at the time. People were saying it's, it's so crass, you know, it's so so heavy-handed of him or heavy-footed of him to do so. Ran the whole length of the pitch in, in a jubilant fashion. Not only did he run the whole length of the pitch, he finished it off with a fantastic knee slide 
<laughs> towards the Gunners fans, nearly inciting a riot. I have to say, the Gunners fans, when you look at the pictures of it and you look at the video back again, they are... Of course, naturally not happy at all. There's mayhem going on in that uh, away stand. Just a very, very quick one, Xabi Alonso. Now, he never really came back to haunt Liverpool after he left. I think uh, Real Madrid uh, have played Liverpool once since Xabi Alonso left and Xabi's been in the team and it was a 4-0 win to Liverpool. So he didn't really come back and haunt them. But he's one of those players that actually has haunted Liverpool fans because although we knew... Because you miss him so much. Yeah. Although we knew that he was a good player, I don't think we really ever appreciated just how good he was until he was let go to Real Madrid. With Javi Alonso, the thing is, you see, when you go to a club like Van Persie did when he left Arsenal, the better players that you play around you just make you a better player, Kate. So (laughs) being around these Real Madrid (laughs) players has just, you know, just made him so much better. Had he stayed at Liverpool, perhaps he might never have reached the fight. Evil. (laughs) And as I make a barricade between the two chairs, um, I'm going to go with the Liverpool connection. I'm going to go with Dean Saunders as my first one. Um, You might remember the match where he just had the 2.5 million transfer um, from Anfield to Aston Villa. And not only did he score once, he scored twice, Kate. So imagine coming up against a former player first time round and he scores in the first goal just a few minutes before the break. And then straight after the break, added a second. Um, the home side actually ran out 40 winners in that match. Um, so it was OK. But it, it was one of those things that you think Dean Saunders um, probably puts that down to a bit of a, well, you're going to let me go. I'll show you what I could do. Uh, also in that game you may remember Ronnie Rosenthal um, he, he missed that open goal opportunity in the first couple of minutes of the match so that was a memorable game for that reason as well uh, the other player I've gone for is Gary McAllister because GMAC. GMAC and I went for this one because it actually meant that his former side were relegated. So not only do you score against them, it was a 30-yard free kick, and everybody will probably remember this one. Um, It was in 2001. um, It sealed a 2-0 win for Liverpool against Coventry. He actually didn't celebrate. So the little discussion that you were having earlier about whether players should or not, he he was really gutted. He he wouldn't celebrate. He made his way back to the centre circle and had his like head bowed down. Um, but he just knew that he'd contributed to his former club's relegation. So Coventry were relegated. The female take on football. Uh, next, we're going to go to topic two, which is dad, dad, pass me the gloves. Now, when you're at school, I don't know what it was like for you ladies, but at our school, no one wanted to be the goalkeeper. Was that the same for you when you were at school? <laughs> well, I never played football at school, but my brother was the goalkeeper and played in um, played as goalkeeper for most of his youth, actually. So we were always sorted. I could just, I could just bring him out. <laughs> I never wanted to go in goal. I know that's that's the truth. I would always try and look for someone else to go in goal. How about you? Because I was big and tall uh, and I used to go and play and kick, have a bit of a kick about with the boys. They did used to shove me in goal and I was too shy to say no. Just literally used to just kick muddy footballs at me as hard as they could just to try and hurt you, which actually when you're a kid is probably a bit fun. A few years older, I probably wouldn't have found it all that fun. But my granddad was a professional goalkeeper and my dad started out in goal professionally actually before he moved into defence. I thought, oh, I'm just, you know, keeping it in the family. But I didn't enjoy it. It only lasted a few playground sessions. I'm talking primary school here, but I do remember it because I did quite enjoy playing football. I must admit, my my cousin played in goal and I I, I always thought it was great having him along because I never had to go in myself. Um, But for me, I always wanted to score the goals. That was part of, you know, glory hunter. Um, But anyway, it's all inspired because I think Tim Krul will be someone that the the kids are sort of looking up to after this weekend's heroics. Um, Again, 
against Spurs. He made more saves in that game than any other game in the Premier League this season. Um, he was on fire, wasn't he? Um, so maybe we should pay a bit of homage to goalkeepers for once. So going through the archives, I'd like you to pick out your favourite, most memorable goalkeeping performances and explain why you've picked what you have as well. Uh, this time, Kate. I'll give you a few stats from Tim Krull by the end. He made 14 saves in total, with Tottenham making a massive 31 shots on goal to Newcastle's eight in that game at the weekend. Um, And his 14 saves were the most recorded by stats company Optus since they started in 2006. That is how good his performance was. Just imagine the Fantasy League points. (laughs) There you go. If you've got Tim Krull in your team, you're laughing, aren't you? I'm going to start with Jersey Dudek as a Liverpool fan, and I've got a bit of a Liverpool theme to my answers today. His performance at the 2005 Champions League final will go down as one of the best. His performance was one of the talking points. What sort of started it off for him, not not only was the manner of the game, but he made a double save from Andrei Shevchenko um, at the end of extra time, which I think must have given him quite a lot of confidence then to then go and do what he did in that penalty um, shootout. But there would have been no penalty shootout. There would have been no victory for Liverpool had he not made that fantastic double save. And that's gone down as one of the great Greatest Champions League moments of all time. So you got the double save from Shevchenko. Uh, then we reached penalties. He saved Andre Pirlo and Shevchenko again. And it wasn't just the fact that he saved them. It was the manner in which he saved them. If anyone saw his Bruce Grobelar inspired spaghetti legs. And I was watching the footage back again today because I like to remind myself of this moment. He's got the hands wavy about. He's got the spaghetti legs. Um, and that even inspired <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm actually doing it now, folks. I'm actually doing it now. Um, but it takes a lot of kahunas, doesn't it, to be able to reenact something um, that was done by a previous Liverpool goalkeeper back in the day. Um, and the fact that he did it and he got away with it and he spooked out uh, the opposition's players, AC Milan's players, uh, just goes down in history. Uh, another quick performance. And again, this was against Liverpool, actually. Alex McCarthy, he was a standing goalkeeper for Reading. He'd only just had shoulder surgery. This was April last season. So going back not more than six months or so, really. Um, He was brought in um, as keeper for Reading. It ended in a nil-nil draw, but he he was praised after the performance because even though, you know, Reading were pretty much relegated, in comes this fresh standing goalie and just thought, do you know what? I am going to try and have the performance of my life. And he, he, he's a great talent actually and he's one for the future. He's now 23 and he's still with Reading. But in that game, Brendan Rodgers said that he thought his performance was absolutely staggering. He won praise um, also all over the footballing community really Um, he remained in goal for the rest of the season making 14 appearances in total for Reading and actually he was on really good form it's what reminded me of it this weekend um, Reading played QPR finished one all but again he made a string of really good saves so to me you know that is going to catch catch the eye of Roy Hodgson and the England goalkeeping coach Dave Watson as well because at 23 he's still young for a goalkeeper he's got bags of potential he really does it's his shot stopping really um, and uh, catching which is particularly strong do you want to go next Hayley yeah because you were talking about Roy Hodgson in England and goalkeeping and Wembley I have actually got a goalkeeper who saves goes down in history as probably one of the most incredible acrobatic saves ever and it was saved at Wembley right England were playing but it wasn't an England goalkeeper. Surprise, surprise. It was a Colombian. You will remember this, I am sure. If you don't, you'll have seen it. Reni Higita astounded fans with his scorpion kick. It was just a friendly game. 
It was probably the save that made him world famous. Of course, as a Colombian player, you're going to be famous anyway. And obviously, he was a, a god where he was. He's known as the, the, the crazy guy. <laughs> I can tell you a few more stats about him as well. So I'm not saying that he had the most amazing career and I'm not going to reel off a load of stats about what he actually achieved per season. But I just think this one kick is the one thing that stood out to me as one of the best saves ever just because it was just so mental and different and and crazy um his nickname is el loco the madman there you go <laughs> he's actually very known for his sweeper style playing he gets out of his call quite often leaving posts empty to clear balls and dribbling as well he has been known to get amongst all of the action so he's 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 unique, he's crazy, he's a little bit mental. He's actually currently the fourth highest goal-scoring goalkeeper of all time. He scored 41 goals. What? 41? Yeah. No joke. Years later, he actually recreated that very same save and did it just as he did 17 years before. He's actually playing out in India at the moment in Kolkata. There was an exhibition game and he was 46 years old and actually managed to recreate that save and did it just as he did back then, which I think just deserves a medal and a a, a shout out in itself. How many attempts did it take him at the age of, was it 46 or 48? How how many attempts did it take him to try and recreate that? Because as far as the paper are concerned. He recreated it straight off the bat. I bet that there were a few attempts, possibly a trampoline involved. And the good thing was he didn't tell anyone he was going to do this. It wasn't part of an act. He just did it. He just thought, oh, the game doesn't mean too much. It's just fun. But you know how some people, they can just fine tune and hone that one skill. That's like his one trick, isn't it? It's like a party trick that he just brings out time and time again. (laughs) But he didn't, as you rightly say, he didn't go down as one of the great goalkeepers of all time. That one sort of save made his name. Mm. But he he didn't actually go on and have a brilliant career in goalkeeping from in comparison to some people. But I understand why you picked him. I just thought it was fun and it just kind of like reminiscing yeah. about the crazy yeah. and the crazy men. Yeah. There you go. Like it. Um, I've gone for a performance that wasn't 90 minutes. It was 45 minutes. This goalkeeper was 19 years old and he was only on from half-time onwards. And I'm talking about the match between Barcelona and Celtic and Martin O'Neill afterwards could not come out in more praise for this 19-year-old goalkeeper, David Marshall, who now plies his trade in the Premier League and we get to see him week in, week out. But... Marshall in this game was particularly brilliant. And Hayley, if we're talking about flamboyancy, then the number of saves that he made and the flamboyant nature of them was just a brilliant spectacle. So many people remember this game. Um, there was a one-handed parry from a Gerard header. Um, there was a tip over from Luis Garcia's brilliant drive. But the acrobatic reflex block from Luis Enrique's volley was the one that just had me go, wow, how did he manage that? Um, there was a full length stop from Sergio Garcia there were just so many different stops from Marshall in this 45 minutes and it was all to save and preserve Celtic's lead from the first game between the two sides the one thing that I wonder with Marshall though is will he ever recreate that performance because at 19 years old you have no fear do you sort of like the scrutiny that Joe Hart's coming under now it's he knows the weight of expectation he knows what it means he knows the press attention and certainly at 19 you perhaps don't know you can go out you can give that 45 minutes it's a chance to prove yourself and whether David Marshall will ever recreate that he, he didn't re- recreate it at Norwich but whether he will at Cardiff is yet to be seen but certainly um, he's a Premier League goalkeeper and certainly will be for a long time I imagine and that performance 
as Martin O'Neill said in the post-match, was one to go down and one that I certainly will remember forever. Now, I haven't gone for any others either, so we'll crack on with topic three, shall we? But first of all, um, Sean Thorne has Twitter Topic of the Week. Twitter Topic of the Week. Just before the Man United-Arsenal game on Sunday, Gary Neville tweeted one of his favourite United versus Arsenal photos. It was one of a very unconcerned Ryan Giggs looking down at a pretty uncomfortable Patrick Vieira. So we got you guys to send us in your favourite footballing photos from across history. Now, Anthony, he's gone for the image of Eric Cantona at Selhurst Park launching a Bruce Lee-style boot into the chops of a Crystal Palace fan. Anthony goes on to say, it's not the finest example to set to kids. And yeah, you're right on that one, especially if you watch the video back. Cantona narrowly misses an old lady. Now, many of us will recall that awkward conversation we had to have with our parents, or maybe it was with your sons or daughters, when the question... Why is Robbie Fowler smelling the grass? Pops up. Now, I had that conversation with my dad and Millie had the same awkward chat with hers as well. She sent us the photo of that infamous Robbie Fowler celebration. Dion sent us one saying, in a world of feigning injury and health and safety, we'll never see a sight like this. He is, of course, referring to that iconic shot of a bandaged Terry Butcher, complete with crimson mask and bloodstained shirt and everything. Everyone loves that one, don't they? Most commentators, whenever a player has a blood injury these days, will pipe up with, oh, it's not like the good old days of Terry Butcher. None of those scenes anymore. They just get glued up, get a nice fresh shirt and get on with it. No messing. Classic 11 shirts sent us a photo of Ronaldo at Inter, ready for the 97-98 season, saying he was unstoppable at that time. I was actually watching a video tweeted by Cheltenham midfielder David Noble, which is just a 10-minute montage of outrageous Ronaldo technique. I can't remember what it was called. We'll find it and we'll stick it on our Twitter. It's definitely worth a watch. Our Twitter, if you're not following us already, is at Offside Rule Pod. And give us a like on Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash Offside Rule Pod. I'm Sean Thorne and I'll hand your ears back to the girls. Thank you very much, Sean. Um, Right, we'll go on to topic three because we are running short of time, girls. Footballing education. Um, This was a Daily Mail article that Kate Borsay forwarded on to me. I enjoyed reading about Manchester City players being encouraged to watch CBeebies. So it's the foreign players that come in that want to learn English. This is the way that they, they're given this pack, apparently, uh, to help them kind of conquer the English language. And part of it is the recommendation to watch CBeebies. Now, apparently, Kate, you have a good fact about this. Well, one of the programmes the Daily Mail said that the Manchester City players were watching is Pingu. Now, everyone knows there is no speech in Pingu. It's just a load of... <laughs> just, just, just some odd random noises. So quite what they're learning off Pingu, I don't know. But apparently, Negredo's igloo building is second to none. <laughs> well, I thought that as well about... Because they said Teletub is in the article and I thought Teletubbies don't speak, do they really? No. no. But I don't really watch Teletubbies, but do they have a narrator? Is that how they're learning from the narrator? I think so. Do you know what? You should know this, Mum. I don't. Sorry. I don't. Funnily enough, I don't spend too much of my time watching the Teletubbies. Um, Well, anyway, they're learning of sorts. It actually inspired us to think of other examples of footballers learning lessons whilst they're having a footballing education or having a contract at one of the clubs. So I asked you to either use your connections 
wink, wink, um, or to try and find out some information through through somebody. I, I don't know how you're going to find this out because it was quite a difficult task. But if you've got two examples, then I take my hat off to you both. Um, I want an example of players learning another skill whilst they were at a club. Who would like to go first on this one? It was a tough one, this one. Oh, yeah, no one's coming forward. Kate, what was that? It was like a, a half, I'll take it, but pointing at Hayley at the same she time. Can she can have it. Oh. Who's she, the cat's mother? Yeah. That's it. I'm going to go and keep up with the goalkeeping oh. story and the theme there because former goalkeeper Edwin van der Sar is uh, now on the board of Ajax. He's actually the marketing director at the club there. Uh, He actually, while still playing football just a couple of years ago, studied and did a master's degree in sports management, which meant, obviously, he was able to go on and do something within business after football. So he was already planning and making sure that he was able to do that. I mean, this was a goalkeeper who was literally playing week in, week out not just in the Premier League, but in the Champions League. So finding time. I know people say, oh, footballers, they finish at lunchtime and they just go home and they've got nothing to do all day. Well, maybe some of them do have a few free afternoons and they should be taking notes from Edwin van der Sar because he now has a wonderful career away from football where he's used his brain. And goalkeepers do tend to be a little bit different, don't they? They're quirky, as we've heard in some of our stories already. Um, But I think it's, you know, hats off to Edwin van der Sar, who, while still playing football, made sure that he did that and was actually given um, a bit of help by Sir Alex Ferguson, I think, when when he had to do various courseworks. And I don't think he completely did an open university. I think he had a, a tutor and what have you. He kind of helped and made sure that he wasn't selfish thinking, oh, no, you're mine. You're still playing for me. We are paying for you. This is what you should be concentrating on. He was very much making sure that he was helping him out and saying, OK, if you need help from us equally, you, you, you can do this. And he actually spent a little bit of time behind the scenes at Manchester United going around the different departments and spending time in the marketing department and with the business directors and uh, in on meetings and things like that, which I think is just really interesting and great to see that a footballer wasn't just going to sit back, take the money, finish his career and just be a pundit like quite a lot of them are. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I do think that's great, but he just wanted a little bit more from life and developed that other skill whilst he was there. So he has brains as well as boots and talented hands um i've got a couple for you here dion dublin do you remember him inventing something called the jube he is what was this so he so he's always been a very talented percussion player oh yes it was a instrument it was yeah and whilst he was still playing he invented this percussion instrument and he was all over the TV with it he was on the one show he was on various things probably on Soccer AM as well uh, this was in 2011 was it like a banjo something like that or drum it, it's yeah. kind of a drum type thing um, and he even accom- uh, he even accompanied Ocean Colour Scene uh, at a gig uh, at the University of East Anglia in Norwich but it was much much more than that really he really tried to kind of market it and uh, market it and get it going um, and I'm I'm positive that there may have been a few other footballers involved in that as well. I didn't um, um, I didn't sort of double check it against uh, the internet, but yes, the Jube from Dion Dublin. Uh, also uh, a musical instrument inventor, not only a footballer. Um, and uh, David Beckham apparently learnt how to fence alongside Will Smith and Tom Cruise when he was playing at the Galaxy. He would go for fencing sessions with Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Apparently. Any more for any more? Paul Sharner. He has a degree in electrical engineering, which he studied whilst he was playing football. He also has lessons in water skiing. Uh, 
He's a regular bungee jumper, which you thought wouldn't be allowed, actually, when you yeah. were a professional sportsman. And parachutes as well, but particularly the water skiing, right? So he's not just happy with playing for West Bromwich Albion. Not only does he seek excitement elsewhere by doing this, he actually says it's to kind of hone and develop and bolster skills mentally on the pitch by challenging himself in other ways. It helps him when he's on the pitch and having to concentrate and really think about the job in hand, which I think is a bit of a crazy way of looking at it. I think he's just a bit of a an extreme sports junkie and that's just his excuse to go out there and do it. But I, yeah. can't, I can't imagine he still does bungee. Well, he did a bungee jump whilst playing football. You'd think that would be far too dangerous, but apparently he did. And that was all after doing a degree in electrical engineering. God knows what he's going to do when he, you know, in the years after he, he retires playing football. And, and uh, in fact, I wonder what he's doing right now. Do you think he'll be bungee jumping at the weekend? Well, it might be one of those cases. Like, do you know, in diving, Tom Daly's um, former diving partner, Pete Waterfield, um, went on and now he's like a Red Bull cliff diver and does those extreme things. Maybe Paul Sharner will go to extreme footballing measures. Maybe that's a, that's a, a whole show there that can be made. I'm sure someone's already probably pitching it right now. I was going to say that, generally speaking, around clubs, I did a little bit of research. Most of them do first aid and driving lessons. So those are some lessons ah. that they get. Leeds did a first aid course for all of their members. Did you hear about Andre Wisdom, who drove his Porsche into basically a lake? Yes, <laughs> a muddy puddle. Yeah, a huge muddy puddle, yeah. Yeah, under-21's captain that got, got stuck his new, was it a new Porsche? Porsche something yeah. or other, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a flashy car. Um, so I actually dug a little deeper. First of all, an experience I had. So I went and covered um, at Stoke City three players cooking with Marco Pierre White. It was a story I had to go and, and do. But actually, Matthew Epson was a very good cook. Mm. Um, so it was at the Britannia Stadium and they had to cook a three-course meal for 250 guests. Um, I can't say that Peter Crouch or Carlo Nash were, were, were great, but I remember thinking Matthew Epson could have a future career as a chef, potentially. Mm. Um, so that was just one from, from my, old, my own reserves. Um, but the, the great one that I found uh, was 2012, was the year for footballers wanting to become DJs. Um, and we're talking high-profile footballers. A friend of the podcast, one that we love so much, Mario Balotelli, contacted Tim Westwood and said, I want some DJing lessons. <laughs> and Tim Westwood, of course, duly obliged. Um, but if you think that he's the only one who can call him favours with superstar DJs, you'd be wrong because very Kate Borsay's very own captain, Stephen Gerrard for Liverpool, um, in 2012 was having lessons from Calvin Harris wow. in DJing. And this is a well-known story. So... On the side of doing his uh, footballing duties, he was also having DJ lessons with none other than Calvin. Stuart Downing, actually, of Middlesbrough, DJs around Middlesbrough, like genuinely has nights that he runs and he turns up with his little box and DJs. A couple of nights later, he's he's playing on a Saturday afternoon. It makes me wonder, though, about the England dressing room now. So England captain Stephen Jarrett, is he putting the Calvin Harris sort of mix on things in the dressing room? Calvin's giving me a boss track. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, We will get an update now of all things French football from our French correspondent, Lord James. What have you got? We'll start off lightly this time, girls. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been timbré, meaning stamped in French. Not stamped on, rather has been immortalised in his home nation as the new face of Swedish stamps. The Paris Saint-Germain striker's broad grin will be cheering up millions in the morning, including himself. I get a lot of bills, he said, and they seldom have nice stamps, so perhaps that will change now. 
His status about being the most talked about star, however, has been rivaled not by Ronaldo, but by a llama this week. Serge the llama was taken from the circus by some partying teenagers onto the tram and has since become a cult icon in Bordeaux. The Girondin invited Serge to Sunday's match, parading him around the pitch, and he's since been invited to parties in Cannes and has become the poster llama of a local transport campaign, expect a new mascot for Bordeaux. We need laugh in France because World Cup qualification hangs in the balance. Didier Deschamps has said that Ukraine will not be tourists and hopes Frank Ribéry is on form, but added, it's just as important that we have someone who is. Ex-Arsenal man William Gallas has spoken out since moving to Perth Glory. He gave a rare interview expressing his shock at how no English club came in for him, adding, I went to see the Crystal Palace chairman to show I was still capable, but nothing happened. We've heard of dressing room bust-ups, but not this. Lyon president Jean-Michel Aulars has accused Saint-Étienne's Stéphane Ruffier of hitting him. Furious, the French goalkeeper called the accusation scandalous. If you're looking for a goal of the weekend, check out Falcao's beautiful equaliser against Monaco, a master at creating space to meet a lovely delivery from James Rodriguez. Thank you very much, Law. Uh, well, that's about it for us this week, girlies. Um, so you can download us via iTunes. We had a feature page on iTunes as well, didn't we? So uh, we should be easier to find on there. I loved it. I've screen grabbed it. In fact, I took a photo of the telly at home with it on because it was even bigger. Got quite excited about that, even though the picture on my phone was just as small as a screen grab from the one actually on iTunes. But it still excited me. Good. It's excited us as well. Uh, we're on Audio Boo. You can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, keep an eye on the website. We've got some guest blogs. Megan Harris has got another blog out this week. It was a really good read. So I'd encourage you to go and have a look there. OffsideRulePodcast.com. We've got a Facebook page. Wow, I think we've got through everything out every Thursday. And don't forget to vote for us on the FBAs. Thank you. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay.